And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Hey, what's going on? Oh, dude, I'm thinking about having a growing out of business sale. It happens. You know, there's know. a lot of people these days that can't get enough uh, supplies to put on the uh, shelf to sell. To <laughs> It's an, a whole economy problem these days. That is that growing out of business or is that something different? I guess it's kind of different. Can't get the supplies. <laughs> I, th- I think so many. And that's, you know, that's what we're going to talk about today here in part 42 of 52 of our series about how to start a tech company. You know, Matt, over the last few weeks, we've talked about sales channels, talk about not getting stuck in the middle. This is a kind of a different iteration of that. We've talked about when to fire your clients or users and then creating a winning culture, but growing out of business. I think the phrase don't grow out of business is not one that most people have heard. And sometimes when you talk about it, people are like, hey, those are good problems to have. Not always, not always. So, you know, uh, when it comes to that, a lot of shit can happen. Now, Matt, before we get into that, I want to remind you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably and hopefully not grow out of business. Uh, But with that, we've even experienced a little of that. Uh, So, Matt, when we say growing out of business, what comes to mind? Well, I mean... I had this problem at Venn Solutions, you know, so it was like 15 years ago now, but, you know, we were signing up customers so fast, but we couldn't get them installed quickly. And the next thing you know, you got a bunch of pissed off customers calling because their, their software is not installed. And then my sales team is doing nothing but taking phone calls all day from angry customers. So they can't, you know, sell anybody new. And my support team is not very happy because they're dealing with a bunch of angry customers that took way too long to get installed. And it kind of sucks. I mean, we, you know, our last episode was about culture and that's definitely not a culture you want to, you want to get stuck in. It was not a good, not a good place to be. I think that when I think about growing out of business, I just think of any rapidly growing company and in my book, million dollar bedroom, I talk about the ball of rubber bands. And I think anytime a a new business grows quickly, there's going to be a ball of rubber bands to undo at some point because it's kind of hard to not have that happen. Uh, but mitigating the mitigating the number of rubber bands or the complexity in which they're in the ball uh, is important because at some point you have to go back and fix all that crap. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things, this is not an uncommon problem. And, you know, like business growth alone isn't enough to support and sustain a company if the right conditions aren't met. So, you know, growing too quickly can be just as dangerous to your business as not growing at all. And, you know, we talked about that getting stuck in the middle. 
And yeah. this is the opposite of that. This is this is the problem you have here is the rocket ship is headed to the moon and you have to figure out how to hang on to it. Well, and and it can be really tough. And we've got a great, great list of things here um, to cover. But one of my favorites, the first one on our list is the losing track of money. <laughs> when, okay. which, Been there which and sounds, done that. <laughs> which sounds laughable, but... You know, it can be it can be the simplest things, right? Like you're signing up customers left and right, but you never really knew how much your server bill was going to be, <laughs> right? Like it, it's all it's all the things that are unknowns that get compounded very quickly, right? Like it's like okay, we're selling a lot of stuff, but our accounts receivable is a total disaster, or you know, other expenses are a total disaster, or what have you. And um, they're they're problems that you don't think about, but then all of a sudden become giant problems. I'm I'm looking at this list and the first three things on it, I keep thinking about the first year and a half at full scale. And yeah, you know, that's the company that's the company that Matt and I started four years ago. I go to fullscale.io and that's the the sponsor of today's show as well. But you know, we went from having no employees to a hundred in a year. And there was a lot of crap that occurred with that. And, you know, you say losing track of money. How do you lose track of money? Well, I mean, some of that is, you know, where do the expenses go? You're learning how to kind of, we had to, okay. So we, had, we, we say losing track of money. So we started with a one billing model of doing it in arrears, which is kind of the more common feeling of service provider to, you know, service receiver hey, the service occurs and then you pay for it, you get a bill. Well, we quickly realized that that was not going to work for us. And uh, why? Because all of a sudden you have to carry those receivables. And some of that losing track of money is like, okay, so have these people paid? Was it on time? Are they, and in our case, uh, because we work with startups and early stage business, are, are they actually, is this a healthy client for us to have? Because we were, we were not just selling like small items. We're selling contracts that were tens of thousands of dollars each month. And we realized pretty quickly that we could get on the very bad, we could get on a shitty side of that liability in a hurry. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing, let's, let's pretend it's a hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue and it's all gets paid 30 days later, you've got to have like an extra hundred thousand dollars in working capital just to facilitate the, the float of it. And that sucks. And maybe <laughs> That's even what more. we realized maybe very even quickly, more. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, all of a sudden we had a hundred grand a, a month in revenue, and we're like, "Shit, we need a hundred grand to carry it." And then we're like, "No, we need a more like two hundred grand to carry it because not everyone pays on time." Yeah, and you know, we 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 solved that by just basically billing in the middle of a month that we were already in. And if we didn't do that right now, we'd be, have to carry millions of dollars in receivables. Which is back to that not, you know, you talk about the life cycle of your cash. And right. um, I mean, and that's it. And you don't understand it in the beginning. You also, uh, you know, next thing on our list is hiring too many people. So all of a sudden we went from having 100 people and, you know, and pretty high engagement to next thing you know, we got a little too aggressive and we hired too many people. Right. And then things slowed down a little bit. And, you know, we, and, and back to not knowing much about your own business on some days, cause you haven't done it yet. So like December can be a slow month for us because not everyone's trying to sign up a new team and start a new project in December. So you're like, shit, 
okay, maybe this does slow or, pe- or, or like your relationship with a, with a client may end unexpectedly or someone isn't paying their bill and you got to turn off the faucet. And, you know, this is, this is a tricky part about growth, especially like when we're talking about a tech company, but people build tech. And I mean, this is a conversation I have with founders all day. It's like, what's the inflection point of when you don't have enough or too many? I think the thing we realized is we might be better off to have a little bit of a waiting list than to just have 40 people sitting around twiddling their thumbs. Well, and, and this is really tough problem when you're an early stage SaaS company, especially if you you just raised a bunch of capital, right? It's like, well, do we go hire 10 salespeople, but do we have a product to sell yet? Right. right. I mean, it, it's always the the delicate balancing act. And, you know, at, at full scale, the, the balancing act has been like, well, how fast do you recruit and hire people versus how fast are you selling those? Right. And and it's a balancing yep. act. And and in any the, the good thing about most tech companies is labor, the labor side of it is not necessarily the biggest component, right? I mean, that's the great thing about SaaS companies. You're selling a software product. You still got to hire support people and salespeople or whatever, but the product itself does the work, right? So hopefully that can scale and you can kind of try and keep up with the the support side as you have to and and try to hire salespeople as, as you need to. But it can be one of the big mistakes that people make though, is they hire way too many people too fast. And we all know that in any organization, the more people you have, the less efficient things become as well. So it's even worse when you got a bunch of people sitting around that don't necessarily have a whole lot to do. They don't have any leads. You know, there's, you know, what do you do? Well, and, and if, if either one of our crystal balls was perfect, you know, we wouldn't, we would just know the answer, but you don't. And no, you also you look know. at things like, you also look at things like the pandemic, you know, I mean, that was, you know, we, we straightened out our, our number situation and all of a sudden the pandemic hits and you lose a bunch of clients and business. And it's like, you got to be prepared to live with either end of the decision, either having not enough people or too many. And you can't really dictate. You don't know. You can't control whether or not a worldwide pandemic starts. And, you know, some of this stuff early, uh, well, it's like you said, Matt, it's like this uh, uh, delicate balance. uh, Do I need salespeople or not? Is it too early? Is it not? And, you know, like, and some of this stuff doesn't, you don't want to put yourself in a spot where you have to just hire everybody that shows up to an interview because you need people that bad. Well, and this it's, it's really time to develop. It's really problematic when you're on some kind of tight forecast or you're raising capital and all that, right? You're like, oh, we have to hit these numbers. Well, to hit these numbers, we have to hire X amount of salespeople and it takes them long to get trained and they have to hit their quota. And it's like you have to hire the people and all the math has to work out in the spreadsheet for the VC to be happy, right? But in reality, none of that shit happens that way. And that that's the really tricky part is when you're fundraising or depending on fundraising and depending on hitting certain numbers, it kind of forces you to do some things too. All right, next on the list, this is yet another one that's all too familiar for so many people, especially after the pandemic, renting or acquiring facilities that are too big or too expensive. Um, you know, I, I've... I've been around this. So before I did, before I was an entrepreneur, I worked in the music industry for a musical instrument uh, company. And I saw this happen all the time um, with, and this is more of a, a retail phenomenon some days, but a lot of people buy with their ego and not with their budget. 
and they get offices that are too expensive, too big, and so we'll all grow into it. Those things can end up being like a boat anchor. And like at full scale, we were having to prepare for these things ahead of time. We have a floor of a building we don't even use. Yeah. We were planning on using it and then a pandemic happened and then we didn't need really either floor of a building and we spend a lot of money every month on shit we don't use and will for the foreseeable future. Well, and we had the same issue at Stackify, right? You shared offices with us for a while. We had a yep. giant floor and had 20 people in it, but it could have held three times that. And um, right. we were there for a long time with a whole lot of extra yeah. space. And you have to you learn to live with know. these decisions. You have to, you have to live with these decisions uh, when you, and you know, oftentimes, you know, so, and we're, you know, we always try to be as transparent and sharing as possible. I mean, at one point the, for us that the, the over acquisition of facilities uh, slowed down our growth and our ability to have capital to do other things. And, yep. but it was kind of like damned if you do damned, if you don't now the pandemic did us a favor in that regard, because we were able to go fully remote, but that doesn't alleviate the fact that we still have the bill until the lease runs out or we find someone else to take it. Well, and the, the- you know, that's the way it goes. Well, and the tough part is when you sign these leases, they're typically three years, five years, sometimes even seven years. And when you're a startup that's growing, I mean, that might as well be like a hundred years, right? Like th- yeah. that's the problem. And I definitely don't recommend signing more than a one or two year lease because you just, you just don't know. It's just insanity. Well, and that's where the flexibility and scalability of a lot of co-working places and stuff like that have really, are really a benefit especially early. Cause you know, like you said, yeah. you could go from, and that was another thing you just talk about not knowing. So while we had a hundred employees, they weren't local here. They weren't in Kansas city where we're located. You know, they were all across the world. And, and uh, you know, and here's the thing is sometimes finding facilities or places. So in the Philippines where full scales, the majority of our employees are, in order for us to experience some of the tax benefits that we got for opening a business there, we had to be in designated zones mm-hmm. and there just wasn't a lot of places to choose from. And that can be limiting too. And the uh, ability to deploy that and the money you have to put up front to do a lot of stuff, it, it can be, it can be rough. And at the same time, you can't have people sitting on each other's laps while they're working. Cause they're, that, that isn't the right kind of culture either. So I mean, there's there's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be said about keeping it lean. I, th- I think the pandemic's given me a new respect for that in general. Well, and, and so, learning to work remote has been a blessing for everybody as well. Yeah. Well, for us, it, I mean, it reduced our long-term uh, expense footprint. And, and we were able to settle on a model that felt pretty good. Because, you know, another thing, too, is like when it comes to some of these facilities. Now, Matt, you and I both run a company where we want the employees to feel happy and comfortable about coming to work. So we're doing things like providing meals and stuff like that. So, um, you know, some of that is part of the the culture and the feeling good about coming to work thing. And then if you suddenly don't have to pay for that either, you start to look, that's why so many companies, I think Pinterest was about to build this like mega complex out in the Valley and they had, they, they paid like 30 million bucks or something crazy to break a lease. And crazy, huh? do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of these yeah. kinds of stories. It, well, and there's a lot of companies that are, that are torn about which way to go with a lot of that. And, you know, that's, that's, 
that's what you got to figure out. Now, Matt, you know, one thing that is certain is knowing that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Uh, in order for us to do that affordably, we got to have the proper expense structure. Okay. I like this next one because um, I think this is important. Uh, riding a trend and not getting off of it. A trend is something that comes and goes. Mm-hmm. And you'll see people get on the wrong side of things. Um, you know, they overestimate the growth or the desirability or competition. Um, and then in cases that not not necessarily tech, but it could definitely affect IoT companies is over over ordering. And I bet there's a lot of that going on right now with supply chain congestion. People are like, shit, I better order a whole bunch. And then they're going to realize they're on the wrong side. Well, and that's actually creating more problems for the supply chain is instead of people ordering what they need for a month or a quarter, now they're like, shit, we're just going to order for the year. But then that keeps everybody else from ordering. So, you know, as we think about this, this example, you know, some different companies come to mind. But one of them that sticks out for me that I thought would be funny to mention would be something like Groupon. Right. Like you get a company like Groupon when they came out, went like went off like a rocket ship. And then eventually that fad just dies. Right. Like that business model just sort of disappeared. And um, but they're still around, but they're they're like a whole different thing now from what they were. Right. And, you know, sometimes businesses, just as an example, you know, they go through that really phenomenal growth. But eventually that you know, industry or market or product or whatever it is just kind of dies off. And and there's been, a, there's a lot of those things that happen in tech. And I mean, it happens in everything, dude. I mean, everything from beanie babies to maybe yeah. NFTs, you just never know. And they can drive, it's a, it's artificial pricing is basically what it is. And it's not a true supply and demand equilibrium. And, you know, they call the, they call it the law of supply and demand for a reason. Uh, mm-hmm. much like the law of gravity. It's not up for debate. And that's something that you can't overcome. You cannot overcome the power of that law. All right. I think this next one on the list, I'll let you announce it. But this is this is one that I think happens in all companies that grow too quickly. Yeah. And it has to do with customer service and maintaining a level of customer service, right? Like Take somebody like Zappos, for example, who sells shoes online and, and had amazing customer service. And then what happens when Amazon buys them, right? Can they continue that same level of customer service or, you know, as they continue to grow and scale just in general, right? You know, a lot of times customer service can be a big differentiator for, for a company. And as they grow and scale, it can be really difficult to keep up that same level of quality. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's a, that's a leadership management operations and cultural problem all all bundled into one. And Mm -hmm. You know, that's uh, part of, uh, and I think this happens a lot with early stage companies that grow quickly is you haven't even, you, you, you haven't even had the time or, or focus because you've been so busy hanging on to the rocket ship to create the kind of foundational elements and support type stuff for your, in, for your own employees. I don't even mean the support for, okay, so if you want to talk about, uh, scaling a support team. Well, first off, there's companies like Chapdesk who have sponsored episodes of this show mm-hmm. that can help that help scale with that. And I love that, but that wasn't always out there. So uh, you have people that show up to to work, and you're like, "Hey, we got to offer support for this product." Okay, how does that work? What do we do? 
Is there a manual for that? Is there a document? Where do I try it? You know, any of that. And that's the kind of stuff that's hard to, that's the reality that I think is hard to live up to when it comes to fast growth. And another well, thing too is like you end up hi- you end up hiring people quickly or doing something or or that or the 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 support requests are overwhelming, which stress people out, which bring out the worst qualities in those providing support. Well, and we had this problem at Vin Solutions because also over time the product got more and more complicated too, and it just became harder and harder to support. And you know, it's easy when you've got you know, the founder and, and a couple of people that are doing a lot of the support and they really understand the product and, and they do a really good job of getting things taken care of. But then, yeah, once you start hiring all those other people, um, you know, the quality eventually is going to go down anyways, but it, it's really hard unless you really focus on it. And, you know, back to the point of earlier high growth, like we were growing so fast that we, and we couldn't afford to hire support people and then train them for like six months before they came experts, right? Like we were always holding on to the rocket ship and never had enough people. And then when we did hire them, like they didn't really understand how the product worked that much either. Um, you know, it always annoys me. Like I-, I was at Chipotle the other day and they just hired somebody new and it was their first day at Chipotle. And I felt like as a customer, I knew way more about how to order a burrito than the person working there. I'm like, I don't understand that with Chipotle. I'm like, wouldn't you hire somebody who's ate here a lot that knows how this shit works? Anyways, that's my rant for the day. Hey, I've, you know, uh, that, that, that's back to the not having the right support structure. Now Chipotle should have it, but yeah, I mean, you're looking at, you're looking at labor shortages though. And certain things, I mean, that, that 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 new employee may have just been thrust upon the world. Here you go. You're on dude, the register today. And you're like, dude, wow. I, I I went through McDonald's a few weeks ago and there was this kid working the drive through and, and I'm looking at him like, holy shit, this kid is young. And I asked him, like, how old are you? He was 14. I'm like, holy moly, we found somebody that wants to work. <laughs> it was amazing. For now. He did, he For did now. an awesome job. 14 years old, working the drive through at McDonald's. I think that this, the, the potentially neglecting customers or providing poor service is even harder to mitigate or control or understand that it's even going on in a remote environment. Too. Yeah. Cause you know, when you are in an office every day, well, first off, it, it can make it a lot easier to ask a question to the person sitting next to you um, in some regards. And also as a manager or a leader, like I, you can often overhear what people are saying. I've done that myself. I'm like, you had a salesperson get off the phone or a support person. And I'm like, what the fuck are you promising or talking about, man? Like you're way off. Like that is not what we do. That is not how we do it. And please don't ever say that again. Cause that'll get us in trouble. Now you can't necessarily tell that that is occurring. There's technology that could record calls or keep up with stuff or, customer feedback reports and some of that stuff's hard to hard to get a gauge on anyway because you know a pissed off customer is going to make a lot more noise than one that's really happy that's just the science of clients and customers so you know it's a when do you hear about that and how do you find the right people and do you have the right leadership and 
you know, some, some of this other stuff too, I think part of the neglecting your customers is if you're on the wrong side of, of if you're growing out of business, um, you know, the problem, what you'll find is the culture gets shitty. The workplace sucks. There's no structure. You got to deal with a whole bunch of crap and then people start quitting. And, you know, that puts even more pressure. You talk about, you know, we go back to the, to the third or the second item of hiring too many people. Um, I mean, you can also get yourself in a spot where you just don't have enough people at all. And that's kind of what you've been talking about, about so many of the, you know, the, the Venn solutions, you guys figured it out pretty quickly, but at the same time, it's like, Hey, you've got all these people that need our stuff and we can't get you set up. We can't reply on time. We can't do this. We can't do that. And in some industries you can ruin your reputation pretty quickly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, next thing you know, they're canceling your service, going to your competitor, and they're telling your competitor why. And then every sales call your competitor's on, they're telling everybody they talk to about how shitty your mm-hmm. service is. I heard your service sucks. I heard it. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, we were going to use this other company. Oh, well, did they? I mean, have you had it hooked up yet? Because I heard that it's going to take forever. Yeah. Yep. These are the these are the seeds of doubt that will grow in a buyer's mind. And by the way, don't run your company like that. If you're, your company, no one wants to hear the dirty laundry. They don't want to, they don't want the dirty laundry. Don't talk shit about your competition. It is not, it, people don't care. They don't care. Talk about how you're going to, you're going to help them. Uh, you know, part of, part of, I think that, you know, we, we're sitting here talking about neglecting your customers. I think that growing too quickly too, it also contributes to a culture of salespeople that overpromise and underdeliver. Oh yeah. We love Salespeople that. People are just going to sell, sell, sell. They will, I mean, they'll literally just sit there like a machine gun filling out order slips. And, you know, the thing is, 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 that oh man it, telling someone that it's going to be here next wednesday when it's not that's not a very endearing factor and uh it, it, i mean it really tick people off and make them not the, the number of reasons that people won't do business with you is far wider and longer than the number of reasons that they will so yep. you know it's a delicate balance okay Number the number six on our list, not scaling technology enough or too much for businesses' needs. Um, yeah, I, I, I and this I think about I think about any tech platform that's building things without getting actual user input or feedback about what's important. Think about it, people that 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 are guessing what's really important and needed. They throw a bunch of resources, bandwidth and time into building something and then they push it out and it's like, oh, no one gave a shit. Well, for sure on the product side, but then you've also just got like the performance and scalability of it, right? Like, can it handle a million users or a billion users? I mean, one one thing that a lot of developers spend too much time on is trying to perfect that stuff. It's like, we're going to make this work for a billion people when it's like, we don't even have a hundred, dude. When you have um, 80 users. Yeah. yeah. And and at the same time, it's also a problem if you don't spend enough time on it. You're like, well, we signed up 100 and it doesn't work very well because of XYZ. So there's always a delicate balance there of trying to prepare for the future, but not overbuilding it. There's there's like a, a science there somewhere in the middle. I think there's some other things like, you know, you just talk about, you know, having servers dialed too high. Or, I mean, there's a lot of different things that, 
you can get into. And, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, when they say time is money, I mean, when it comes to paying people to do stuff and build things, it certainly is. And I, if you don't, if you're growing quickly, it, I don't know, man, it's just really easy to get your finger off the pulse of what's going on. So, you know, some of the notes we have here in this regard, or, you know, it talks to it, uh, in the, it becomes increasingly necessary to invest in better, faster technology and, perf- and perhaps tech talent, which is back to the hiring thing. But many businesses fail to invest enough for what the business needs or invest too much in technology and tech talent that they don't need. And, um, I mean, it's a, it's a real thing. Uh, how do you find a balance there though? Well, one of the problems, and this is, is, and this is really related to the quality of people you hire, right? It's like we, we hired a salesperson, but you know, we hired the cheapest salesperson we could find. And so they suck at what they do, or we spent $300,000 a year and hired this world-class enterprise salesperson, but that's not really the kind of salesperson we needed either. Right. Like those are real problems, too. And I think, you you know, you have a great point is some, you know, you get as a as a startup founder and especially one that's out raising capital, you get 10 million opinions from the peanut gallery and the peanut gallery in this case are people that want to that want to write a check or they're with a fund or whatever. And you don't have a CFO yet or you don't have a CTO or you don't have this leader and you don't have that leader. And next thing you know, you've got. 10 leaders and no soldiers. And, you know, that can happen. Like you mentioned with the sales side of things is you're going to, you'll churn some of these people too, if they're, they're expecting to do one thing. And next thing you know, they're sitting there making cold calls when they're expecting to lead a sales team of 10. And you can, and so the thing is, is why, why pay someone a hundred bucks an hour to do a job? Someone else will do well for 25. Yep. And, you know, the, and, and there's a thing too, is if you haven't had employees, like actual real employees before, when you do, there's a long-term liability that comes with that. If you end up having to scale things down, if you're like, shit, I bought, I, I got to actually let people go and they don't get jobs quick enough. You, you can be on the hook for a lot of that. You can end up paying, you know, there's a ton of different stuff. You know, another thing we, we talk about here is, like over investing in certain tech, you know, like, does everyone need a $4,000 laptop? Yes, they do. Well, I do, (laughs) but I don't, you know, I don't have a $4,000 laptop. I mean, you know, like there are some people that might like, well, I'll give you an example, like Johnny who edits our video, his life would be miserable without a powerful machine because it sucks up a lot of energy. The same thing with developers, like developers, you also don't want to be at a point where you're paying someone a premium and they're sitting there watching the pinwheel spin because the computer's trying to catch up. But at the same time, where's the scalability? I mean, Matt, we own 225 laptops in the Philippines. Like you look at a variance, there's a variance of $500 per computer there. That is a six figure that is a six figure difference. And, and, you know, it's the same thing. Okay. So that same person that's going to use the laptop, they might need a desk. Do you really need the $1,500 super desk or do you need something less? Okay. There's another $500 times 220 people. How about a chair or a headset and all these things like they don't feel, they don't feel like they add up until you sit down and do the math. And you're like, 
fuck? Like, I overspent by half a million dollars. And by the way, when you have 200 laptops, inevitably at least one of them breaks every month. Right? Right? <laughs> That's so How many true. times a week do you get that phone call? <laughs> I don't get it a lot, but someone at full scale might. Yeah. Um, so, but, but you know what, Matt? That's a great example. I want to share something. Let's go back and, and sit down before I share this with you. So you look at like growing quickly. Some of the other things, so you talk about losing track of money. Well, losing track of equipment and assets is another thing too. So I, I try to keep my finger on the pulse of this, but at one point we, we, I, I looked at the number of laptops we had and, and, a, and a manifest. I was just like, okay, there's 225 lines here, but we only had 200 employees. I was like, well, do we have 25 extra laptops? And we did because one would break occasionally and we weren't fixing them. We had a boneyard. Because we were, we were super busy. Well, so I, you know, per, first off there was that. And then, so with that, once I was in the, down the rabbit hole and I mean, my feet weren't even sticking out at this point, I was all the way down it. I went through and I looked through and I was like, shit, this is a computer that was supposed to go to a developer, but a tester has it. And that's back to that $500 a unit thing. So on some of it, you know, out of the 25 uh, extra laptops, some of that we wanted to have extra, but it, it was false data because you could look at it for your future plan and you're like, oh, I've got 25 extra machines. Great. We'll grow into that in a hurry, except for you don't because they don't work because <laughs> there's no one that took 10 minutes to send something that was under warranty back to the distributor. Yeah. Or, or, and so like, and so this trickle down effect is then you need another computer and you're giving someone a $2,500 laptop that needed a thousand dollar laptop. And, you know, by the way, we fixed 20 of those 25 computers and the average cost per unit was like a hundred bucks and they're back well, and playing about five of, five of them actually were broken, but that means that 80% of them weren't. Well, and, and, and I think this is part of a larger, a larger topic around one thing you can't really plan for as your business grows, you go through different stages and as the founder, CEO, you know, leadership team, you end up spending a ton of time on this kind of shit that you would never plan, right? Oh, yeah. like, oh we yep. got to go buy a new office. Okay. Now I got to screw around with that shit or, oh, all of a sudden we got to go deal with the bank because we need more money to buy more supplies or we need to raise more VC money or whatever. Like you inevitably run around putting out fires all the time, dealing with problems um, that you never expected to have because you're just simply growing so fast. And so whatever it is you think your job was or thought you were going to be working on, you're inevitably not going to be doing it. You're going to be running around dealing with other things. Well, and this is similar to talk when we've talked in the past about technical debt. I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And you get really busy and you say you'll do it later. It's not the most important thing. I mean, th dude, this can also apply to just general subscriptions and just stuff like that. Like, I mean, it's a, it feel, it feels like a nightmare on some days you're like, you know, and this wasn't a big deal until you kind of do the math. So at one point we had like, I don't know, like, we had had some people leave or move on, but we hadn't turned off their G suite. Yeah. And it was like five bucks a month. And then, but there was like 20 people there that just, no one had gone through and audited. Now 
hundred bucks. Okay. It might not be the end of the world, but if you think about it, that's 1200 bucks a year. And there's all kinds of stuff like this that starts piling up. And that that's one of the things I actually talked about in my book, Balance Me, is that call it, call it the rule of 12. Take anything that's a subscription or recurring and multiply it times 12. Because all these things are set up to feel less expensive. Oh, Matt, it's only it's only eight dollars a month. You know, okay, well, that's a hundred bucks a year. And then you got 200 people and you're like, whoa, that's a lot. And you got to look into some of that because some of these things are really, really sticky once you start using them. And it's like you talk about a cultural shift, you know? Okay, well, it, so well, like Google has Google Chat and it does some of the same shit that Slack does, but do you really want to well, train and, and 220 people to do that again? A lot of this isn't about the money necessarily. It's about the lack or breakdown of different processes and procedures too. Um, which is like, hey, we need to hire a bunch of people, but we're too slow at it. We're not good at training people. We're not, you know, all those sort of problems come up as well. And, you know, you talk about like employees who quit. I mean, it, it's process there where, hey, are we locking down all their accounts and from a security perspective and all that kind of stuff too, where, you know, that $5 a month, you know, adds up, but it could be much bigger security issues where like, hey, we didn't, you know, disconnect their access to this, that, and whatever. And now we have, old rogue employees have access to things they shouldn't have access to. Right. And, but some of this just growing pains, like never had to deal with, you know, having a lot of employees who quit or resign. And all of a sudden we've got a lot of employees and we've got new problems. And back to the point earlier, it's like, now all of a sudden I got to take time out of my day to figure out how to solve these things <laughs> that I never really thought I'd have to solve. Yeah. And I think, you know, another thing, and I want to add another item to this list is, you know, is the, um, I think you get stuck. You, you start moving really quickly and you want to do everything. You want to do it yourself. And you say, oh, not get, you got to take time to train people. And as a founder, like all the shit you mentioned, none of the stuff you mentioned, it should be stuff a CEO or founders doing in a fast growing company. Right. But, you know, who else cares about it? Who else looks at it? And, and that's that's a question you got you got to ask yourself on a lot of days. So, um, yeah, I think another thing too that that happens on here is you talk about growing out of business is a lot of this aggressive growth and expansion without understanding where you're like. So there's a point of diminishing returns on so many things like you know, when it comes to advertising, customer acquisition, and you're like, oh man, it, it costs us a hundred bucks to sign up a new user. And then all of a sudden it doesn't. And all of a sudden it get, turn, it doubles or triples because the number of people that you can reach becomes, it becomes really tough. So by, you know, that, that's why I love sunny and rainy day projections. Like, you can even have it like a middle one. You can have a really aggressive one. You can have one that's like, hey, this is what happens if things don't go that well. And you can get an idea of where where you're over. I mean, you talk about just losing track of the money. I mean, this is where you see companies that all of a sudden they're like, shit, we're broke. So no one's really paying attention. The expenses are out of control. You lose a client here. You don't get a deal here. Something else happens. And you're like, Wow. We're yeah, telling customer acquisition costs, customer acquisition costs and scaling them and, and then lifetime value, customer churn, all that stuff, keeping those things in check and understanding them. I mean, if you don't, and all of a sudden you start multiplying things, it's like, 
hey, Netflix can sign up, you know, a customer for $7 a month and they can sign up a million of them, but million of them, but they all cancel after 60 days. It's like, so what? <laughs> right? Like it, it's yeah, all of those right? things you have to understand and control. That's a huge expense at that point. Yeah. That's yeah. not, that's not a, that's not a, a, and you know, it's, and the lifetime value. Okay. So we have some clients at full scale that have basically been with us and have people on their team for the entire life of our company. Yeah. Over three years. Meaning that, that close to four. And we, and so with that, what's the lifetime, the lifetime value of the average client is still TBD. Yeah. Like it's It's still growing. And yeah. And so some of that, and part of what we've done to, you know, with our growth and it's still on fire is that's when we go back to some of these past episodes, like talking about understanding, understanding who the right people to do business with are. And, you know, right at, right now, most of my days consist of talking to four or five prospects that want to do business with us. And on many of those days, I'm telling four or five people, I don't think this is the right situation for us. You're not ready for you. you, you you're not quite ready to grow a team with us. And it would be easy. I literally had this conversation with a guy today who had a great idea for a startup. He just wasn't really ready for what we do. He wanted help for a couple months and that's not what we do. It'd be really easy to sit there and just make it a cash grab. And you're like, sure, yes, we'll do it. Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And next thing you know, you've, I mean, we got our, we took on some clients at full scale over the first couple of years that there's no way I would get in bed with now. No way. And why? Because they're, they, they weren't the right people to do, to fit into our mold, which is long-term solutions and building teams. It's what we want. It's what our clients want. It's what our employees want. So, you know, and that's, I think that's where it's, it's kind of like the entrepreneurial ADD that so many of us founders have is you can't always chase the dollar. Yep. Yep. I like and the it, dollars though. I like dollars though, Matt. So why do I not chase them? I like Bitcoins too. Yeah. You did once offer to employ me for one Bitcoin a month, which I turned down because that was at the time that was like $4,000 a month. I was like, that's not a good offer. <sighs> if yeah. only you would have taken it and just kept them and never spend them. Only. Yeah. yeah, if I would have just bought them, if you know, if I would have kept the one thousand at seven dollars that I almost bought and then didn't, everyone's got a story like that. So yeah, everybody does. But you know, it, it, I think that I mean, you look at well, I mean, it's actually a great example. It's like the trends thing. Like, dude, how many people started a a crypto coin? Any of it? Do we really need five hundred forms of cryptocurrency? Nope. Just a couple would be good. Right. A few, but you look at the trends. So some people were timely on that and we're in the right place. And a lot of people were late to the game. I mean, I mean, that happens on so many different things. I think that's a a lack of understanding and, and market timing. And a lot of times just inability to execute. And I think that that's, that's probably the core thing that we should end this episode on is like, if you have the ability to execute a plan, you have the ability to grow quickly. If you don't, you don't have the ability to grow quickly. 
Am I wrong? No, you're right. The, the challenge is that like any kind of startup uh, related stuff, right? You think you know what the plan is and there, there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking along the way, but. We should probably do an episode on what happens when you go out of business. Dude, it, I mean, that's a whole separate subject that, yeah. yeah, you see a lot of people. I don't know, man, there's a lot of entrepreneurs and founders and people that put it all on the line and spent a lot of time regretting it. You know, you won't regret, Matt, you won't regret going to fullscale.io. And once again, today's episode Startup Hustle was brought to you by Fullscale, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. You find us all over the internet and go to fullscale.io, social media. If you want to learn more about Startup Hustle and, and go to Facebook and just type in Startup Hustle, come to the Startup Hustle chat and you can see all of the, the great things that Matt Watson has to say about the other things I post right now. Yes. That's my job is to be What's your, uh, in your post. What? Yes. At one point I did have to say, Matt, quit trolling me. Didn't I? Yeah. Or did I just think that? Did That's I have to job. tell you? No, that no. You, you told think... me to stop being a troll. You were a little trolly there. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. We were growing. What are you going to do? So Matt, uh, what's your key takeaway? You know, I think when you're hanging on to the rocket ship, I think the biggest takeaway is you just have to sort of expect the unexpected. And, um, you know, you, you can't foresee the problems you're going to run into. You don't know what you don't know. And, you know, we went, you know, a lot of people say they want this problem. They want to grow so fast that they, they don't know what to do with it. And, you know, I actually went through that and the Vin Solutions days. And it was really painful to be signing up customers knowing that like it's going to be three months from now before they can even actually use our software and just hoping that they're okay with that and they're not going to be really mad at us um, until we could grow, you know, our staff, hire some people and all that kind of stuff so we could install clients faster. So it's a painful process if you've been through it. And lucky enough for us, we were able to, you know, continue to grow and get through it. Uh, it, it didn't put us out of business. Um, but it was really painful. I I think for me, uh, a key thing here is know what you're, know what you're getting into, know what you're biting off. Like, can you chew it? Can you swallow it? Can you, is it, is it the right size? And, you know, I think when it comes to some of the things on this list, like you talk about some of the like facilities and stuff like that, like, and the rule of thumb is usually you should be bursting at the seams before you're mm -hmm. moving to a bigger place. I think a lot of people like, oh, we'll grow into it. You went through that at the Sacrify office. We yeah. kind of did that at, at full scale. Now, part of that was pandemic driven, which, you know, like, I mean, some of this stuff, you can't get money back. You're not getting the money back when you customize a build on a place that you don't end up using. And you know, the question is, is it's back to almost like your parents. Do you need this, Matt, or do you want it? And there's a big difference between the two, man, like needing and wanting. Like you don't need a bowling alley. You don't need a fucking bowling alley in the office. And also it might be really loud. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. But I mean, that's that's why you have shows like Silicon Valley that are poking fun at some of this stuff because yep. it's like it's an arm race. It's an arms race of stupidity in some regards. And, you know, the, if you get viewed as having the inability to handle the money 
And it's just, you know, like go tell your investors you need more cash because, you know, you needed a $4,000 computer for everyone, a $3,000 desk and a $600 chair, you know, like, I mean, some of that stuff's going to come back to you and, 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 and haunt you. All right. Moral of the story. Don't grow out of business, Matt. I'll see you next uh, time. All right. See you, man. Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.